You are listening to the Ingredients for Success podcast, where you can consume dietary supplement industry best practices, trends, recent news, and other insights provided through interviews and discussions with members of the Stratum team and seasoned industry execs. Welcome back to the Ingredients for Success podcast. I'm Andrew Rice. Today we have David Limley, who is the president and brand strategy guru over at Retail Voodoo. David, how are you doing today? Glad you're on. Andrew, thanks for having me. I'm excited for our chat today. So typically I do a little bit of background on whoever it is that I have on the show. But today, instead of that, I just wanted to read one of the LinkedIn recommendations that I saw on his profile. You ready for this? So I'm like, I'm sitting in my chair. Hopefully I won't lean too far out of the frame. Yeah, no, you're good. You're centered. But uh, here we go. When we first met, David humbly claimed his primary responsibility was brewing coffee for his office mates. I have yet to experience that, but I have experienced his other talent, masterminding and executing plans to propel his clients' businesses light years ahead of the competition overnight. He did include overnight, so that's pretty. That's a pretty impressive recommendation. Yeah, it's um, it's a great recommendation, and I I know who wrote that, so that that's very nice. Uh, yeah, so our our business is really about helping brands evolve, and there's really only three times where we are immensely valuable to a brand. That is when a brand is ready to press the gas because they have figured out that they have momentum and they want to go and become dominant in a category. Another time is when they need to evolve to keep up with changing consumer preferences or the way the world has changed around them or to restore growth to a declining brand. Right. I love that. Um, So I think, you know, we talked, we chatted a little bit before, before today and we kind of went through uh, your book, went through your book a little bit, talked about that. Um, it's a very, very good read for any of the brands out there in the natural space that are that are, are just searching right now. Um, those better for you brands, and I love that terminology as well. But it, it is beloved and dominant brands. I think I bought mine on Amazon. Um, so I, I did love, I did love the book. I have to admit, I haven't read all of it. I'm about three quarters of the way through. Um, but so, so many good, um, just so many good lessons and, and things you have in here for brands to grow, to grow, especially, and we talked about this a little bit, especially today. And I think that's what we're going to talk about is just, you know, today with everything going on, um, all of the chaos, I think this book is even... <laughs> even more relevant today. And so today we're going to be talking with David specifically about the fundamentals of marketing and brand ecosystem for the natural products, but like right now today. So David, what do you think? Where should we start? I think that's that's a great way to set it up. And as we did talk, you know, the, the most fascinating thing about the book is that uh, I wrote it based on my business coach telling me it's time to write a book. And this was the, the, the short book designed to be read on one airplane ride. And 
I was, we put it out and then I was really nervous because the pandemic hit and I thought, oh crap, that effort, now is it going to be post relevant because the pandemic is changing everything. And what we found is that the advice in the book is even more poignant and better because it's, it's literally a ladder you can climb with little to no dollars if you don't have any, or if you have a great budget you're managing, it helps you know where to invest and where to stop investing pretty rapidly. Yeah. Yeah, well, and, and we were, again, we were just talking about this, and uh, and I haven't been able to see one of the episodes, but I, I vow to you today, I'm going to go watch the Red the red Plate episode, but you have right now something also, when we talk about brands getting their feet kicked underneath them, especially entrepreneurs or startups that are just getting going, and this, you know, everything happened, I feel for them, I've talked a little bit about the show about this, but you guys have developed... A, uh, a webinar with a little bit different spin. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, it, it's called Brand Slam, and it was born out of we were actually packing up and getting uh, ready to go to the airport to go to Expo West last year, if we could, or this year, I guess. Uh, yeah. And we started getting all of these calls and determined that we were not going to go. And then the thing was canceled. And what I found out is that at that particular point, I had 42 meetings scheduled over uh, two and a half days to, and every one of those people wanted to talk to me. And so I ended up opening up my calendar since I had everything moved and I decided to give it to everybody who had put all of their poker chips in on Expo that was going to be hurting because they can't get their money back, these small brands, these entrepreneurs. And so I offered them 30 minutes of consult to do whatever they needed to do to help find out, maybe help prioritize things. And that was such a great karma thing for me because I I felt like I helped people bandage their wounds rapidly. And so my team got together and said, what if we could turn that into something fun and share it? And maybe we can't help a thousand brands because it's very time intensive to do so, but maybe we can help enough. And if we make it fun and game show, like we can do a handful of brands during the pandemic because it takes a fair amount of time. We decided to do one a month and that will make it interesting enough that entrepreneurs and emerging brands should watch it because they can apply all the lessons to theirs. So brand slam is all about flipping a brand to get traction in 30 minutes using the framework in the book that brand ecosystem or that pyramid in there we walk the brand and their founder and their management team through through how they benchmark against themselves the competitive set and their opportunities and we walk through one by one and talk about what's working and what needs improvement yeah gotcha um speaking to um, you know, your book and, you know, you talk about going through the different, you know, BF, BFY brands for you, um, life cycle that's inside your book. And you just speak to it. You just spoke to it just a little bit there. Um, but so when they apply that on, on your game show, um, brand slam, what are some of the, you know, can you give the audience here just a little bit of a taste of kind of walk, what you walk them through when you're talking about life cycle of that brand? Sure. Well, the life cycle of any brand lives a little bit like this, except for multinationals. I'd say that particularly in the modern world with better for you and nutrition focused and fitness focused people, there is this formula for creating a a brand, which is um, 
passionate founder has some situation in their life that causes them to hack something, a recipe. It might be based on nutrition. It might be based on diet restrictions. It might be based on um, wanting to change the planet, but that it, they create something and it becomes the first and only of its kind. And that leads to, through friends and family and social media, that leads to a form of relevance that we call dominant by default. So in a really small puddle, they're a huge fish. But if they want to grow, they're going to spread the word, get it out there. And what happens is their proof of traction creates a myriad of copycats, me too's. Typically those me too's are like, like them, other entrepreneurs, but many times they are better funded, well-organized marketing machines that can come and steal their lunch money at will. And so they find themselves having gone from dominant by default to one of many and struggling to be relevant, struggling to stay on shelf or to get the velocity that they need on shelf or through Amazon or DTC. And this, we wrote the book specifically because the category audit the brand of the brand ecosystem is the first tool in our process that we've used over 300 times to help brands go from one of many to beloved and dominant by intention and plan. And so that's really the framework for the book. And the cool part is we've been able to turn that into a 30 minute webinar for um, people who can get a lot out of it. Because it, again, it's in, it's one thing to read a book and have a, a ton of interesting anecdotes and formulas that are pre-written, but it's it's another thing to stand in the bullring and do it live with, with an entrepreneur whose emotions and life and money are sitting in the room with you and for the world to watch. It's it's a whole nother thing. And so it's it's cool because they're very passionate and you get you get that that you might not get from reading a book. Yeah, you get that a lot with, with the founders, um, especially, you know, like you said, the, the ones there in, in the beginning um, that may, may have started that trend. Um, you just get that passion. It's so awesome to see that and experience that. And I bet for you on the show, being, you know, being in that and being able to, um, to experience that, but then also just the fulfillment of being able to help a brand like that, especially if they are having a hard time. I can tell based on the LinkedIn recommendation before you probably would lean a little bit more towards the, the servant leadership. And, and, um, so I bet that probably feels pretty good to you when you're, you know, you're able to, to experience, uh, experience and share that emotion with, with, uh, with a brand like that. Yeah, it's hugely important to me. It kind of gets into, so I've been doing this this brand thing for a very long time, back since uh, when branding had a lowercase b because it was applying your lojo to a water bottle or maybe a truck or something, you know? And now it's a capital B and you can get an MBA in it. And that's amazing. Uh, it's a different world. So I've been doing this a very, very long time. And people have asked me, so why don't you like live on the beach and surf? And uh, it's because of the contribution that I feel like I'm able to make to these businesses. I decided about 10 years ago with my, my business partner and I had been doing this for anyone who could uh, fund the agency. And what we did in the Great Recession in 2008 to 2010, we rethought what we were doing, took on a bunch of very interesting projects and came out of the recession saying, you know, we have these tools. What if we only use these tools for with people who wanted to make the world better or disrupt the food system or change nutrition? And so we came to that 
And that's how we've run for the last decade. And that is the contribution that I'm making is I personally don't have the power to change the world, but I can help if I can help help several hundred other wildly passionate marketers and, and CEOs get that stuff done. That's my contribution. And I feel really great about that. So I'm, I'm juiced up about that every morning. Yeah, that's a, that's, it's amazing. It's an amazing feeling. It's something that has also kept me in, in doing what I do as well. I think w- when you, when you kind of grab a hold of that as we're younger and, and I was there with you, you know, when somebody asked for a brand, they typically were asking just for a logo and they were going to put it on a napkin or something. Right. <laughs> um, but you know, so we've kind of grown up in this and, uh, you know, cutting your teeth the way we did, but learning along the way that like what we do just so dramatically can impact the future of these, of these people and their families that we're working with. And that's, that's what's kept me doing this, you know, being able to collect some of that knowledge that's up there. But I know that's, I know it seems very much that like, that's what drives you. Um, it's awesome to hear and, and see your passion for what you do. Um, it's very evident. So David, um, let's talk real quick about something else. I know you're, um, extremely passionate about right now, especially as well. And that is the science of retail packaging. Um, there's so much that we could talk about today, uh, the role of packaging and, and how that has really changed or morphed a little bit as digital has come on as strong as it is. So let's chat about that for a few. Sure. Well, I, I think you, you nailed it. It really has been impacted or fast forwarded by the, uh, the pandemic. The pandemic has done things like take the DTC platform or the Amazon platform and fast forward people's universal acceptance of it by necessity um, at least five years. And the social proof of that is that senior citizens who would never ever put their credit card into a computer are now hooked on Instagram. Or, I mean, not Instagram, Instacart. And some of them on Instagram, which is terrifying, and we won't go there. But uh, <laughs> I think talking about packaging and how the pandemic and the way people shop has influenced it, there is a a simplification and turning your package into an icon that works on a phone is something that has been accelerated. It was already starting to happen, but in the pandemic, it has really become incredibly important that your package be recognizable. And the reason is because while you can list your features and benefits on DTC and you can do that in an Amazon shelf, the competition for those spaces is so much higher than it was. And because of the pandemic and because at the beginning, DTC was really the Wild West for emergent brands. Now you have very well-organized, very well-funded people such as Mondelez, Pepsi, et cetera, et cetera, becoming expert in the space. So the cost to capture the attention or show up on page one or whatever your metric is, has uh, it's more than five times what it was in February. And so it's no longer uh, free reign for the emergent and industry darlings. It is now a war zone. So bold, iconic packaging and a crisp uh, go-to-market strategy are essential. They're, they're linked in a way that you could get away with having a little fuzziness on both in the past. And now 
yeah. that shows up instantly. Yeah, I like you say war zone, and I like instantly picture because I you can see it taking place, right? Like you can walk through the aisles, and like bam, bam, but like you just start seeing these new landmines popping up, which are just amazing. Whether it's you know, obviously the package design it needs to be striking if we're talking about the 30-10-3 rule or whatever, right? If they're doing things correctly, right, it's bright from 30, you know, I'm seeing it from a distance. I recognize the logo as I get closer. And then when I get even closer, that packaging and the messaging is resonating with me. And I believe in this product and, oh, it's all natural and, you know, all that stuff. But it, it really is like a war zone because, like, every time I go to Target, I'm, like, seeing these new brands pop up and just, like, they're just, like, uh, it's it's an exciting time, I feel, for like package design nerds, which I would consider myself a package design nerd. And I'm not going to speak for you, but. Yeah, I've, I've done a bunch. So, yeah, I, I, I'll take that. That's good. So, uh, so it, it, when we're talking about packaging, who's doing it well right now? Well, uh, you know, you mentioned Target. And I think Target is actually a very interesting example of a uh, a brand that owns the shelf that is doing an amazing job of keeping up with this. Um, it's a millennial focused mindset of leaning natural or leaning better for you, but not full metal whole foods better for you. And I think they do a really good job across all sorts of spectrums. They have many private labels, which I think have, capture people's imagination and rival anyone else they're going to put on the shelf. Yeah, I, I totally agree with the, you know, I don't know if they're, they are the best out there, but yeah, you go. It Target was like one of the first brands where I walked in the store and like I saw something and it grabbed my eye and I was like, wait, wait, that's not, what was it always save or like that's not that's not the like what is that that's good branding that's a great packaging but that's target it took me a while to sink in like oh that's target oh well that's cool i was just in the coffee aisle and saw whatever that i don't even remember i just remember their designs were cool and it like draw drew me in and i was like hey babe uh you want to try this try this cup she's like no i like my so i, I don't mess with her coffee so but i was about to because of the packaging <laughs> You know, another brand that I think it's a, another retailer that I think is kind of doing an amazing job and has produced one of the first uh, billion dollar private labels is Kroger's Simple Truth brand. I think that system and the way they're managing it is uh, is evidence to me that this notion of emergent brands it, it, being emergent and being cool and being first did not necessarily make you best. It's the old Zune versus Sony Walkman versus Apple iPod thing all over again. <clears throat> um, it's whoever has the most momentum behind them and the, the, the ability to think the smartest strategy over long term is going to take everyone's market share because they, they go after mind share rather than transaction. Yeah, we talk a lot about that around here as well, relational versus transactional, right? And everybody does. It's it's like one of the common themes anymore, but it it's so true. And you just, I realize it more and more and more every single day, whether we're talking about sales prospecting or we're talking about marketing or package design or anything else or anything in between. 
I feel like because of the shift, because of the demographics, all of those things going into kind of where we are right now, um, yeah, I agree. The market share is taken up by, is starting to be taken up and swallowed up by those that understand relational versus transactional. So... Yeah, and I think that that's that's really great. So re- relational versus transactional, but also like add this layer of weirdness and the advancement of um, sterility and uh, hygiene and safety. It's it has it's impacted package design. It's impacted the way people perceive a brand. It's it's pretty fascinating. We have a project we're working on right now, and we were recently exposed to a piece of data that blew my mind, which is, well, uh, talking about cohorts of, you know, you've got Gen Z, you got millennials, you got Gen X and boomers and the silent generation on and on and on. That the thing that was most fascinating to me is that it set, the data shows that millennials give lip service to sustainability, but it's the first thing to fall away if it's not convenient. And in the pandemic, there I have two different data points that show something that the way to move forward proficiently through this as a brand is to go with sustainability light because while they'll, uh, um, it's because of life stage for the millennial and where they are in their life and how they're adapting, they'll give great lip service to uh, sustainability play but when push comes to shove they would rather have the really cool looking pouch of food that's not sustainable that goes in the landfill when they're done and may take a thousand years to decompose versus a can which is an entirely renewable resource so that's just an example so that is being accelerated even more and things it's had this huge impact on concepts like artisanal and uh, handmade or handcrafted People want to know what the machine is and see the safety seal much more so than they want to see that uh, picture of the person who handmade it in their in their garage or rented a, a you know a command space and brought their family in to make it. It's it's a whole new world. Well, David, I think we could probably talk for hours and hours and hours, and, and hopefully we get a chance to do that in person after all this is, a, is over. You're definitely one of the guests with something very near and dear to my heart as well on the, from the brand space. So like I said, we could talk forever. I'm sure we could, um, but we got to wrap it up. Maybe we'll do this again. Yeah, I'm game. This was fun, Andrew. Thanks for having me. Yes, it's been awesome having you, David. Uh, thank you so much for coming on. So, uh, you know, David and crew, retailvoodoo.com is where you can find information about them, their story, everything they can help your brand do. Uh, they've got Brand Slam going on. It's, it's the webinar we talked about. Um, that information is also found on their website. And I know that I've seen a lot of posts on LinkedIn as well. Uh, correct? Yeah, absolutely. Okay, cool. So, yep. So find them on LinkedIn, retailvoodoo.com. David, thank you. Thank you so much for coming on and, and we'll do it again. Sounds great. Thanks, Andrew. Have a great day.